Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Knight and this is My Seminary Life, the show where I recap the things I'm studying in grad school right now. Let's get started. How far reaching does sin extend into a human? Or to put it a different way, how total is our total depravity? Or to put it another way, how bad are we? Like, really, how bad are we? The answer to that is really bad. See, the further you break it down, the easier it is to answer. Welcome back to My Seminary Life. Brandon here. And this week, we were all about the study of sin. What is sin? Not what are the bad things we can do. We're well aware of the bad things that we can do. But what, you know, what is it mean when we talk about sin? How depraved are we? Is sin all just a learned construct and we're perfectly fine? That's Pelagianism. Um, this is what I got to study this week and our forum post this week was all about this idea of trying to wrestle with scripture primarily how total is our total depravity. And this idea of total depravity is the teaching that we, there's nothing good in of ourselves at all. We cannot come to God in of our own volition. And we have to prove that through scripture. So let's talk about it. This is what we're going to spend our time with today. How bad are we really? And it's important to note that this isn't about the human race, but the individual human as well. This is where I started the conversation because Romans 3.10 clearly states that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. None righteous. No, not one. So we, we start there that this isn't, we're not talking about if some people are fine and other people are, have a sin condition. No, we're, we're all, we're all starting on the equal playing field of everyone has a sin condition. The question we have to wrestle with is how deep is that sin condition and how far reaching is that sin condition? Does it just affect part of us or is it the whole package? According to Ephesians 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in trespasses and sins. We, I'm sure you're familiar with the pastoral cliche. We've heard it time and time again when dealing with this passage that dead things don't really do much for themselves. Dead things don't really do much for themselves. They, you know, they can't do anything for themselves because they're dead. There's no life within them. This would imply then that the effects of sin has affected us so deeply that there is nothing that we can do. We are spiritually dead. And then, if you saw my story on Facebook and Instagram this week, I raised the question, can you be mostly dead spiritually? That... <laughs> Yes, that is that is the line from The Princess Bride. That is immediately where my head went. When Wesley is dead, so they take him to Billy Crystal's character. I can't think of his character's name now. Oh, that's going to bother me. It's time to rewatch The Princess Bride, because I'm starting to forget character names. And they bring him to the Miracle something. I can't remember his name now. 
Um, and he says that he is mostly dead. Not that he, that he is partially alive, but he is mostly dead, not completely dead. So are we completely dead spiritually, or are we mostly dead spiritually, and we're a little bit alive? Warren Wearsby, the great pastor and author, writes, and this is a real long quote, so just hang in there with me. Of course, this means spiritually dead. That is, he is unable to understand and appreciate spiritual things. He possesses no spiritual life, and he can do nothing of himself to please God. Just as a person physically dead does not respond to physical stimuli, so a person spiritually dead is unable to respond to spiritual things. And I would liken this to if you prepared a really good meal and you brought it before a dead person, the dead person is not going to smell that really good food and then get up and start eating. That is being de- that is completely dead. And so, going off of what Warren Wiersbe is arguing here, To be spiritually dead, not mostly spiritually dead, but spiritually dead means that there is no spiritual thing that can cause you to come to life. That doing spiritual actions, reading your Bible, going to church, being spiritual, not religious, as our culture likes nowadays, that doing spiritual things is not going to make you spiritually alive. You are spiritually dead. Completely. Great. (laughs) So we're starting this off at a great spot. We are absolutely spiritually dead. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin. Singular. And I did a lot of work in the Greek. And it means that that word sin, amartia, is in the genitive singular. Meaning that the wages we pay in death is not for sins, plural, but because of sin, singular. We are not spiritually dead because of sin accumulation, that we have committed multiple, many, many, many sins, but we are spiritually dead because of sin, singular. We are of sin. That is what the genitive singular would be. We are of sin. The reality that we begin life in is automatically apart from God and deserving of death. We start life separated from God from the get-go because we are of sin. Not accumulating sins, but of sin. We start off spiritually dead. And for some reason, then, my mind goes to Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven through 38 which is... The first commandment, the greatest command. Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he responds, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. This is the first commandment. The greatest command from God to his people is to love him with all our heart, with all our spiritual life, and with all our mind. And we have already determined now that in one of those categories, we have failed. Because we are spiritually dead. And if we are spiritually dead, then we cannot, lo- we cannot love God with our spiritual life. It's dead. 
So the question then becomes, can we still love God with two-thirds of who we are? Can we still love God with our heart, our actions, and with our mind if we are spiritually dead? Matthew Henry argues that our love for God needs to be a sincere, singular love, not just in word and deed alone. Therefore, with even just one of these removed, our love for God is less than. Our love for God is less than. Even if we just have one aspect plucked out of it. I really enjoyed reading this Matthew Henry section. I pulled out my, I've got the big old Matthew Henry commentary sitting here on my bottom shelf, anchoring it. I have all my giant books at the bottom of my bookshelf. And I loved reading this section because I think a lot of times, and this is a bit of a rabbit trail, I think a lot of times for Christians, when it comes to this concept of love, we go in one of two directions. We go towards speaking truth or we go towards kindness. Speaking truth is not a loving act. It can be because we're supposed to speak the truth in love. Meaning that if we speak truth, we're supposed to be doing it in a loving manner. Not that we, not that speaking the truth is an act of love. It can be when done correctly. And the other direction we go in is kindness. And kindness is not the same as love. Love, they're connected, but they're different from each other. Case in point, there are two different things in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Love, Joy, peace, da, 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 kindness. They're two different things. But I think for most Christians, we go in one of those two directions. We're really bad at love. Either we want to beat people to death with truth, or we just want to be kind towards everybody. We're not good at love. We are not good at love with other people. We're not good at love with God, with showing that love towards God. And yet, this is like, as Henry trying to bring this back to the focus here, and yet, the focus here is Matthew Henry is making is that love is the virtue. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is the thing that sets Christians apart. And I think a lot of times when we come to these older writers, I think of like Matthew Henry, or you're going back to the Puritans, I think they're always praised for like for their intellectual pursuits. But here, Matthew Henry is really focusing in on Love, which sounds so, you know, liberal, progressive, Christianity, blah, blah, blah. But that you, we can't overlook the fact that we are to love other people and we are to love God. And right now, as we're sitting here having our conversation of just how depraved are we really, what we're determining is that we are two-thirds, we only have two-thirds of our ability right now in our conversation to show love towards God and towards others, and we and that's not good enough. If we're spiritually dead, not only will doing spiritual things not make us spiritually alive, but if we're spiritually dead, we're missing a huge chunk of how we show love towards God and towards others. James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point... He has become guilty of all of it. At this point, we cannot even get past the first command. 
We can't even get past the first command. Because if we can't love God with all that we are, then we've failed the first commandment. And so we continue to be guilty of the whole law because we are of sin. In Romans 1, 21 through 32, taking a big swing at this, Paul writes about how people progress, how people progress from one type of rejection to another of God's design for their life. Even showing that God allowed them to slip further into various passions. This process all began when people, quote, knew God through his divine attributes related to nature, which is found more specifically in verses 18 through 20. Specifically, specifically, I need to adjust my notes. Here we go. Specifically, in verse 38, it says that they did not acknowledge God, and so God gave them over to a debased mind. Because of our rejection of God in our minds, we continue down a path of sin intellectually. Which is why, I think, later on in Romans 12, 2, Paul says that we should not continue to be defined and conformed by the world, but to renew our minds. So we are spiritually dead, which means that we cannot keep the law. So we're going to keep doing things wrong, which means our love for God through our heart actions are going to fall short. And also, by the way, here's all these instances in Romans that proves that our minds are fallen as well. Heart, soul, mind, all affected by sin. How total is our total depravity? It looks like the complete package here, folks. (laughs) We are of sin through and through. And the rest of this question that we had to wrestle with in our forum post was, how does having a sinful mind affect our studying of theology? And what I kind of wrap up here, I just wrote like a little paragraph here because I was tired and just didn't want to do any homework. You know, you know what that's like, right? You know, when you're just like at that wall and you forget it, I'll just write a little bit and get partial credit, partial credit. Um, I write about how our minds are moving from a state of sin and enslavement to sin, according to Romans 6.20, to a state of freedom in Christ in his righteousness, which is found in Romans 6.22. Now we do not have the appetite for spiritual... Now we do have the appetite for spiritual things once we are alive in Christ. Our minds are being made whole as we study God, the oh, imperfect as we are as we come out of our st- our sin state. In other words, to put this in layman's terms, our minds are being sanctified. This is a part of our lives that is now being restored. We have been resurrected spiritually, and so our actions on our minds are now being shaped. Now when we do spiritual things, our minds and our actions are being restored, and so we are learning how to live as Christ lived, as Jesus lived. And so, there will be times as we are studying theology that we will hit limitations. 
I mean, even from the get-go, we're going to hit limitations because, again, as we talked about last week, we are finite creatures. We're not, we're not intended to know everything about God. We are his creation. We're humans. But even now, coming out of our enslavement to sin, being a part of sin, now we are learning how to be like Jesus, which is going to take time as we are living this new life. We are living a new life now. We were spiritually dead, and now we are spiritually alive. And that's really cool. So thinking about this in terms of, like, average ordinary life now, like, how do you apply this? As always, I think the biggest thing when it comes to studying systematic theology and understanding some of these more loftier terms is that it does affect understanding who we are and who others are should affect how we treat others and how we treat ourselves and how we treat God. So realizing that we are of sin and we have been brought out of enslavement to sin to freedom in Jesus, I think that gives us a little bit of permission uh, to embrace grace. That for those times when we do come up short still and we slip back into sins, hello, you were spiritually dead. This is all that you knew. This is all that we knew was the spiritually dead enslavement to sin, being of sin. This is all that we knew. And so when we still continue to sin and slip up, there can be grace for those situations now. Because we have been brought out of that and now we are learning how to live the life of Jesus. Going back to discipleship. This is why discipleship is so important. We just got done with the eight weeks on discipleship methods. That's why discipleship is so important. Because it gives us the ability to learn how to live the life that Jesus has freed us to. Enslavement to righteousness. That's what it what is written in Romans 6 there. And I think this also should serve as an encouragement for us that until that transformation occurs, doing spiritual things, other people doing spiritual things, like maybe it will put them in a positive mind frame. But we got to realize that doing spiritual actions while we, are, while we are still of sin isn't going to get us anywhere. And so if you're helping a friend who you're not really sure if they are of Christ yet, and you're encouraging to do them to do things like read their Bible, pray. Like, yes, those are those are good things. Don't stop doing those things. But you got to realize that until the lights come on, those are only going to get so far. Religious actions only get you so far. Doing spiritual things, broadening that out even further to doing, you know, meditation and you know, religious. Spir- lighting incense and things like that. Doing spiritual things is only going to get you so far if you have not made that transition yet from spiritual death and then into spiritual life, Romans 6.11. I'm just going to say this right now. Once you're done listening to this episode, you should probably just read Romans 6 because I think a lot of what I pulled from for this study and also just for your own good spiritual refreshment today A lot of it came from Romans 6, and I think it would be of benefit to you. So, I I find that this episode was way more encouraging than I really thought. (laughs) Than I really thought it was going to be. Um, 
you know, studying sin, you think you would be just in the mire of we're all horrible, horrible people, which, you know, like we have established, our depravity is total. But I think this also offers us encouragement as believers that there is grace as we are moving from our patterns of our previous life into, or in, in our death, really, into the patterns of our new life in Jesus and helps us maybe to think critically while we are when we are helping others understand their need for Christ that spiritual activities aren't the way spiritual activities aren't going to save anybody Jesus does and that's all I got for our seminary section so now let's go over to the my life part what's going on in my world nothing <laughs> What am I doing? To, oh, tonight's the Royal Rumble. What am I saying? Tonight's the Royal Rumble. So there'll be a Royal Rumble party tonight with my brothers. This is a family affair. Uh, usually, we usually get together. Well, I should put it this way. We shoot to get together about once a month for a pay-per-view of some sorts. Um, so this is this month. We're starting off strong, getting the Rumble in. Love it. Tomorrow, I got double duty. Our small group had to reschedule. So we're going to be meeting to tomorrow night now to talk about the preeminence of Christ. Snowstorms and uh, sicky feelings kept people away last week. And in the morning, I'm going to be preaching at a church on Psalm 30. So I so that'll be good. That's what I spent the morning doing, doing writing a lot of my notes and studying, and it was good. So, so that's what I got going on here. Let me know if you have any suggestions on how you would like the show to be improved. I'm looking to looking to make the show more available to people to listen to, but also I want this show to be something that you all want to listen to. So if you have any suggestions, please let me know. You can drop into the show's DMs on Facebook and Instagram. Video, or video. You could leave a voice message on our profile on Acre too. And just so you know, in a couple weeks on One More Thing, we're going to have a couple guests. We're going to have my good buddy Joe here from Systematic Ecology and other shows to talk about eschatology. And then we're going to have my buddy Josh here also to talk about ecclesiology. So it's going to be a good uh, couple episodes here uh, near the end of February for one more thing. But again, if you have any ideas on how to improve the show, let me know. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, then please take a moment to rate and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. Or head on over to the My Seminary Life Facebook page where you can write a recommendation on there as well. You can also follow us on Instagram at MySeminaryLifePod for other fun updates throughout the week. And more than the recommendation, I would really appreciate it if you told someone you knew about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to advertise for this show. And finally, you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k for other fun faith-based content. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.